Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to God's Planning. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic uh, here at the Dominican House of Studies, and I am joined by Father Bonaventure Chapman. Uh, we're looking at each other across the screen. Hi, Father Bonaventure. How's it going? Doing great. That's me across the screen. I was uh, in these da- times of COVID. You know, you have an opportunity to meet with people face to face or mm-hmm. in person. And I would have never thought that you had to choose between meeting someone in person and meeting someone face to face. So if we were in person, this would be like Mask City if we were outside or something, I suspect. Um, but since we're meeting face to face, we're just not near each other. Yeah, which is, has nothing to do with COVID. It just has to do with the fact that we don't have a mixing board and the microphones that we use need that for us to, whatever, be in the same room. So we're Ooh, using call two out for mics. donations. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you want us to be really, together but... such that we can slap each other in the face, then uh, then mixing boards. Don't send money because I like being in my office by myself. So Father Bonaventure can stay in his and I'll stay in mine. And that'll be great. That's perfect. Uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Anything new? Doing doctor work over at CUA, reading well, comics, right. despairing right. of life. Despairing of life, as usual. No, it's uh, we're going well. We're we're uh, cruising along the, the semester and preparing for, uh, well, it's, it's paper time, you know, so you're picking topics and going, oh, I should probably think about what, what exactly. You're, wait, you're looking for questions, you know, what question kind of, perks you know piques my interest you could say um and some of those questions are there and the other ones you're thinking i might have to uh, kind of jumpstart the question um but things are going well doing french exam pretty soon so Ooh. learning to read french and uh, i have no idea how to pronounce any of it uh, it's like reading it as a code um but it looks like a beautiful language we'll put it that way got it well we should do an episode in french you and father we Patrick. should do an episode in french exactly right well the two that of us speak awful. spanish so we could do a spanish one i suppose he was um, a french major in college he was he probably speaks i'm sure he speaks pretty well well father gregory speaks uh will be speaking french very he's, well he's learning yeah yeah, yeah the only right. one is father joseph anthony he he couldn't join us but that's all right no we'll find some language he can join us with college how about that yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect well good um yeah so I guess that's exciting papers. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And things, yeah, what great. about, what about things in the vocation, uh, vocation world? Yeah. This weekend we have that, um, I guess tomorrow when this airs, we have that, uh, that choosing well retreat that my office and the, the Thomistic Institute are, are co-sponsoring. So that's exciting a retreat on prudence and, um, over the weekend here, uh, in DC. And then the weekend after that, I guess it's just a week after we have our November vocation weekend. So, we're, those are the big things on our calendar, um, but they're exciting mm. too. So um, in these yeah, in these COVID times, it's exciting just to do be able to do anything that's again not just like face to face, as you said, over over the interwebs. So yes, I'm looking forward to both of those in person experiences. Pressing the flesh um, is a part. I don't of, know what uh, you just said, but I'm not sure that you should have said it. Well, it's it's handshakes, but, you know. I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Press. You press. Uh-huh. Fl- yeah. Okay. Got For it. Those viewers, Perfect. I'm using my hand. And trying to shake okay. Father Jacob Burton's hand. Well, now that we've talked about shaking hands and and, mm. and all of that, we're going to move to something a little more, um, uh, what less less physical. We're going to talk about the soul today. We're going to talk about um, about 
the soul about psychology, about, I guess, really the question of what happened to the soul. I think there, it's kind of a, a straw man to kind of attack when you when you talk about, do people even, I was going to say, when you talk about going to a bookstore, I haven't been to a bookstore in forever, so I don't even know if people do that anymore. But yeah. if you were to go to a bookstore or if you were in the airport, actually, the airport bookstores, I go to those sometimes. Um, mm. I stopped going to one because they were running, this is wholly tangential, but I started talking about it. They were when I was traveling a lot more for for work before the pandemic. They were this bookstore, one of the I forgot the name of it, but one of the kind of chain airport bookstores was running a special mm -hmm. that if you bought the book, you could return it within three months, 90 days, something like that, and receive 50 percent back. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so i was like that's great i can buy some like bad fiction like i bought a stephen king novel just to read on the plane and and I, I returned it but every time i went to return it they're like we don't we don't take returns here but it was like on the receipt they had like a, the big billboard sign advert it's like every time so i stopped doing that because it was a pain in the butt so okay don't and, be uh, uh, listeners do not be taken in by these airport uh, scams. Well, they 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 took the book back, but it took some convincing that their own advertisement that was three feet away was actually true. So oh, yeah, I got it done. But anyways, back to my original point. Yes. When you go in, when you're in, you know, if you were to peruse a sort of spirituality or religion section in kind of a popular bookstore, what you I think find is nothing related to the sort, but all this self help. Mm. I was going to say uh, garbage. All this kind of stuff where where there's kind of a confusion of. Uh, what the soul is, what the person is, and how that's integrated into like the person as a whole, the psychology of a person, how, and then even in a in a Catholic context, how that works and how that works with the person as sort of a psychological being, as as a ensouled being, as uh, you know, going to confession, all of these sort of like how does this all come together? I think it's an important mm. thing to to address to talk about. So um, perhaps we'll talk about what happened to the soul. Where is it? What what yeah, is the sort of I mean, what are conceptions just left of it? Well, that's the thing. Um, the soul is so important uh, that it must have conflicting accounts. You know, people must debate in, about all these things, which whenever there's a big debate about something and controversy, you know, oh, it must be super important. And the soul has for a long time just been that. It's one of those things where, you know, for a modern scientific perspective, right, a naturalist perspective, you think, well, we're kind of through with the soul. You know, we can get rid of this thing because you can't see the soul, right? I don't think. Um, you know, on, on, a, on a good conception of it. But so you think, well, if you can't see it, then maybe it doesn't exist, right? Like I can't see, you know, giant purple dinosaurs that are flying around. So obviously giant purple dinosaurs are flying around don't exist, right? You could Perhaps. make a case like, you could make a case like, oh no, they really do. But then you'd have to deploy things, arguments, like here's why they need to exist, even though you can't see them. Um, but those arguments are gonna, aren't gonna go through very well. But it's weird because the soul, for instance, I mean, yeah, where is it? How do you touch it? What is this thing? Everyone's kind of like, well, I don't know, you know, but people aren't willing to give it up. Even in modern, yeah, modern scientific perspectives, we still have this thing called psychology. Well, what's that? That's the study of the suke, the soul, right? So even if we, if we talk about, uh, if we're uncomfortable with what this thing means, everyone still realizes it's important that even if you're a naturalist, you don't really just believe that you are a collection of kind of atoms and random things, right? Everyone wants to believe you're some kind of unified thing, but what is it? What, you know, right. that sort of thing. But that's, I suppose, the given justification of, of how we know it exists, but what is it in the first place? I don't know. You probably get this, there's popular misconceptions. People think the soul is like this little ghost thing that kind of rides around your body, right? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, ghost in the machine is the more technical term for this, but everyone kind of believes like when you die, 
you lose nine grams or something. That's obviously the soul, you know, um, it's this little guy that like, uh, pulls levers inside your head or something like these are silly popular misconceptions about this. We're actually like ghosts with like flesh bodies and that we drive around, but you know, they're just signaling at something. Right. Yeah. And then, then there's right. the other side, you know, the, the scientific one where it's like, nah, they're nothing, you know, just a bunch of electrons, uh, just some neurochemical stuff. Right. That's kind of it. Smashing into each other. Yeah. Just a lot of, just a lot of, uh, you know, soul, yeah. Soul substance bashing. If it's even that. Right. I mean, right. you run into this, but I, I mean, I, I wonder, actually wonder for the average person, take a poll quick, everyone grab your phones, text this number. If you believe, um, you know, what is the more common one? Like do when push comes to shove, you know, do people think it's more like the ghost in the machine thing and the little kind of spiritual, spiritual guy, especially during Halloween era times, or like, you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Just brain chemistry. Yeah. That it'd be, I'd be curious to know. I th I think you're right. I think you're right in, in your sort of assessment that when push comes to shove, people are, are aren't satisfied by the purely kind of scientific kind of just atoms, electrons kind of, you know, flying around and bashing into each other. And, and not because there aren't atoms and electrons and neurons and protons, like not because these things don't exist, but because in fact, they don't, they don't sort of satisfy the question because when, when we or satisfy as an answer to the question, because when we're talking about the soul, I think even if people don't articulate it in a sort of, I don't know, um, argumented are kind of argued way of here are the premises now let's find a conclusion what people are people are asking more than just a question about like what what is it in the physical sense but what is it in the sort of in the sense that what is that thing that makes a thing a thing is mm. it is it just is it just the physical matter of a thing or is there something more to being a human being and i think people who actually uh, when you consider this um the just a sort of material explanation doesn't satisfy it doesn't suffice and i think this leads into um something that i find very helpful in in these conversations about what is the person what is the soul what is all of this is that we we it's always helpful to find common ground on which we can stand and build even if people have you know even if you're talking to someone who's a naturalist or uh, more of the scientist scientific kind of side or what we'd say more like the classic kind of philosophical which is um i think where you know what catholic teaching and even non-catholic philosophy kind of stands on that that when we look at what is the soul what are we talking about at root before we kind of go into the lengthy explanations well i think i mean i think aristotle i don't know if you would agree follow bonaventure i assume you would but i think that aristotle offers sort of an easy foundation here and that that he understands the soul and then what we understand as as catholics that the soul is simply that, that life force or that unifying principle within within a living being here's an example i guess um you know you can ask what's the difference between a person who's alive and a person who's in, in a dead body um, and all we're talking about there at least for basic starting principles is that difference we can call the soul the thing that gives matter life um so I think that's a good place to start. I think that's a good place, even not just for the sake of our conversation here, but for the mm -hmm. sake of the conversation at large. That, okay, that's all we're talking about. Then we can begin to define and argue that, well, what does it actually consist in? Is it physical? Mm. Is, it, is it material? Is it immaterial? Blah, blah, blah. But that there's something between, for example, a dead animal mm. and an alive animal. What is that? Well, let's name it, call it a soul, and now we'll talk about it.
Yeah, I mean, this is this is where language English language isn't very helpful. Though we do have this distinction, mm. like we do distinguish between uh, a dead body, you could say, and a live body. We call them both bodies, right? So, but we do have a word for it. we have a body and we have a corpse. Like a corpse is is a dead body, and we don't have a living body kind of term. I guess flesh would be the thing. So, corpse and flesh maybe. But for instance, German. I don't know if this is true in French. I'm sure I should know this by now. Um, but in German, you have two different words. You have Corpe is for is the corpse, but for a living body, you don't you don't say corpor and you don't use body. You use Leib. So for the Eucharist, for instance, um, it's Leib Christi, the living flesh, the living body of Christ. It's not corpor corpor Christi. It's not the dead flesh of of Christ that you're handing out, and that's a nice distinction because it is a distinction people recognize that there is the. A human body that has a human that has died, the body there is inert. It's there's something different about it than like what we experience in moving around. Uh, the liveliness, the living, the anima, you know, an animal is an animate thing, which means an ensouled thing, of course, Latin for, for souls, the anima. So I think everyone kind of gets that. And if you can get people to realize that, yeah, the soul isn't, let's not start with weird ghost kind of conceptions, but the soul is the actuality, the livingness of your body, right? And that doesn't mean, oh, it's just the body. It means it's your body alive. And it means it's a principle of unity to that. So it's not just random connections of things like a chair is stapled together or held nailed together, but it has this unity, this drive to it that we describe life. And if we just, if we're humble about that and just say, we're not gonna do any dogmatic definitions yet on this thing. We're just gonna say, look, don't you know the difference between a corpse and a, and a, and a living body? And then right. let's talk about what's there. Yeah, that's so that, yeah, that's and, good. That's a good kind of the soul from a phenomenological kind of down to earth sense that everyone gets. Right, exactly. And there's it's it's not we're not yet diving into the question of the rational soul or the subsistent mm. soul or the eternal soul of the human being, because um, along with all of that, we would even say that plants and animals have souls. Plants have plant souls and animals have animal souls. And again, why can we say that? Well, not because they have sort of human souls that are a little different because they're dogs or because they're mm -hmm. tulips, but because there's a difference. We can see there's a difference between a living plant and a dead plant. So again, same question. What's that difference? What is that? What What is that thing that differentiates the sort of dead plant and the living plant or the dead animal and the living animal. We're simply here talking about that unifying principle, that activating principle that that yep. that gives life to a material thing. And uh, which gives our, our life, as you mentioned, a very special capacity like animal lives, plant lives that, you know, they're they're decent. I mean, dogs have decent lives, I guess. But, you know, humans will really outstrip them because our soul, as you say, has has these capacities um, to make this body live in a particular way and that way is of course rational and willful and freedom and all that kind of stuff those kind of great things that you have in in, in history and culture and all that yeah precisely all right well with that let's take a let's take a break for a minute uh we'll come back we'll talk more precisely about the person about the soul this relationship between psychology and spirituality and how the soul fits into that and then perhaps finish with you know why does this even matter how does this affect our lives as christians as catholics these sorts of things so sit tight we'll be back in just a minute This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. Welcome back to God's Planning on this episode of What Happened to the Soul? 
on the first uh, half of this episode, Father Bonaventure and I were were kind of laying out the the reality or some arguments for the reality reality of the soul that a soul, a life giving, animating principle, exists in living things. The difference between a living plant and a dead plant is some animating principle. Same thing for animals, human beings. So let's talk more more. Um, more particularly about the human person, because after all, this is kind of what we're what we're getting to the relationship between the soul and the person and the mind and how this kind of fits in. So say if Father Bonaventure a word, I guess, about about what what makes the human soul the human soul? What makes that different? Because at the end of our the first yeah. half, we were we were talking about these plants, animals, humans, and you were mentioning that even between dogs and humans, there, there's there's a difference in, in the life between a dog and a human. So talk about yeah. that for a minute. Introduce I think us it's, to that. It's worth, I mean, think about how do we describe souls? Well, not like red or brown or, you know, left-handed or, well, maybe left-handed, I don't know. Um, but like shaped, like square triangle. It seems silly. Those are the wrong categories to distinguish something, but you do it by powers. So the, well, that's at least a good way of distinguishing between the powers of souls. So the powers of a, of a, a, a plant soul are pretty, you know, minimal power. I mean, more than, so rocks don't have souls. Let's be clear about that. Um, so, but rocks have powers, you know, kind of power of sitting there. Um, but plants have powers because they can, they, their, their life form is about digestion and growth. Like they can grow a rock. You can wash the rock. You can water the rock. The rock's not going nowhere. But the plant, you water that, it's going to grow. Animals, so it has a power of growth, this sort of thing. Animals have the power of movement, uh, power of generation, reproduction in particular ways, um, sexual reproduction, oh, this plants have this too in a way, whatever, but it's a deeper, you could call it like more powers, they're powering up, you know, so these are better characters to play in the video game of life. And then humans, of course, have extreme, you could say extreme powers, like we are the most powerful of, of animals, not in the sense of like material power, blue whales, which is, would crush me if it fell on me, I would lose in a fight to a blue whale with my bare fists. Um, but, uh, we have more powers of, of the soul. We can animate and do more with matter in the sense of transcending it. And particularly the transcending comes in terms of our powers of intellect and will. So these are our powers we have of reasoning and choosing, right? Reasoning and choosing. We can conform our wills to things in a way that animals, even high animals can't do, it seems. Um, uh, we can be under obligations, moral obligations. And then reason why we can understand what's going on. Like dogs, you know, like dogs don't sit there and go, why are you something rather than nothing, right? Leibniz's question does nothing for them. Um, but for us, we do have this power. So we have these, so you could say the, the human soul is, is defined by its rational powers. It has these powers of, of reason and will. And this gives us a command of things. So that distinguishes, marks us out. And this is the area where, like, for instance, traditionally psychology is about the study of these rational powers. So traditional psychology is about the study of these rational powers when they work and when they're not working well, right? I mean, you can see a, psych a psychology or a psychiatrist or a psychologist looking at someone and saying, hey, you've got these powers of willing and, and, and knowing, and it seems like your willing is kind of constrained. We need to fix that. And you're knowing you're kind of deluded in some ways, or you can have the, you know, sort of things, so biases and cognitive distortions and all that. So we're going to fix your, the powers of your soul so that you can be empowered to use all these things. I think that's a good way of understanding what psychology and psychologists are all about. Right. I think too, the, the, the idea or modern, whatever that means, contemporary psychology, even going back modern psychology, um, would I think be less willing, uh, to talk about sort of as, as, 
the, the practice of psychology and the way you described it, Father Bonaventure, mm. though, I think that's that's right. You know, I don't think you would go to a therapist or a counselor and say, OK, your your soul, like your ability to will and the powers of your soul are kind of off kilter. Let's let's work on that. You oh, know, I think mystic psychologist I'll only go to, to T.I. supported psychologists. who get go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but the, the idea that that exactly what you said, though, but with respect to the hmm. mind, the human mind, yeah. and with, I think, an end there of, of looking at the person, um, not just as a mind, not just as like someone who thinks, but also someone who, who lives and acts. And really, the end, I think, of, of good psychology is one that looks at the person as a whole, that hmm. looks at the particulars of, of uh, that particular areas that where there may be this disconnect, as you said, in the ability to will or the ability to know, but wants to heal that with respect to the whole person, not just yeah. to heal the mind. And and this is where I think they're, they're, for, for good psychology has to incorporate the reality that the person is a whole and that the soul is the animating principle of that whole. So we're not mm-hmm. just trying to fix minds. And and this is, I think, where there's a nice relationship between, between the faith, between a sort of Catholic and Christian anthropology and a world of psychology come in, that they, that they that they both look, you know, virtue theory, grace looks to heal the whole person, not just um, not just to make somebody chase for the sake of being chased, but chase so that they can be an integrated and whole and healthy human being. And the same thing with the psych- with psychology that works on on the mind that that these things can be fixed and healed or or given the tools to perform and, and live in a healthy way, so that the person as a whole can function, so that the soul can can kind of and the person body and soul can flourish. Um, so there is obviously a, or readily seen a natural overlay of the two but i also think at the same time there's there's we have to distinguish between the two between the world of psychology Mm. um, as these bookstores don't right that was that was kind of the example that i made at the beginning that uh, there's the difference between the world of psychology and the psyche of the person and the the spirituality and the flourishing in the spiritual Mm. life and we as i don't know if you've experienced this but i know that when we were going through formation before we were ordained priests especially when we were going through our classes when we were learning to hear confessions mm-hmm. um, we were we were constantly cautioned about this of that that the confessor that the priest is not a psychologist and our job is not to as priests in the confessional and spiritual direction and conversations is not to provide psychological counsel though that may be something to mm. recommend but to recognize that there's a difference between the sort of between spirituality and the spiritual life and psychology though they inter inter uh interplay though they have overlap interact, in many yeah. ways interact that's the word yeah. so what but do you think about that what well, do you think about sense, that reality i mean i think um you could say psychology and spirituality are you know um they're dependent upon each other there's a inter- interdependence mm-hmm. as you say you can't have a good spirituality i suppose without a well-rounded psychology so if your soul isn't functioning well if you're not if you're not attentive to the rational powers of the soul and your knowing and loving aren't ordered, then how are you going to be ordered to? But you can be an ordered, in a way, we could say, psychological person and miss out on spirituality because now when you get into spirituality, we're talking about a new object. So it's not just about like checking the mechanics of the soul, you could say, and how things are running, but checking where they're supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. So the object of spirituality is God and your spiritual life. So your the graces in your life and your participation in God in that, the divine life, right? Whereas the object of psychology is in a sense a human life. Now, of course, you can't be fully human, I would claim, um, without a relationship to God. That seems correct. So 
psychology without God will always end up being just missing something. But it will be def- it will it'll be deficient in a certain way, but not in others. Um, but the spirituality aspect is is using these powers and relating to God as an object in that way, and then how that affects you and changes you. So it in a sense draws you up. So it makes psycho- psychology more deeper, your psychology deeper, and also further and more powerful in that sense, expanding, flourishing of, of the human person. And psychology right. just misses that out. Well, can miss that out if it's not attentive to that distinction. Now, if it tries to do the distinction, well, then a psychologist doesn't do spirituality well, just like I'm not a psychological counselor. So, you know, yeah, you can miss it. And that's a problem. Yeah, I think that distinction, the, that distinction that you just made is a really helpful one that that psychology on its own looks at the mechanics tries to look at how is this person functioning as how's their mind functioning how is their life functioning in relation to that but that the spirituality the 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 spiritual life the christian life looks at more at the end you know okay so if the mechanics are in place then well where where is where that are you going machine? what are you functioning where for you, yeah where is that got going? a great car what, um, what where's the journey going where are we where right are we exactly to? yeah and and i think that what what you were saying uh was that you know, good psychology or psychology that's good that but doesn't include the sort of spiritual reality and, and the ultimate end of the person um, can do good things. Mm. I, yeah. I don't think we can say it's wholly corrupt, but I think no. it is a limited good. We, it kind of caps human flourishing at a sort of mechanical reality rather than human flourishing, rather than opening up sort of the vista of where human flourishing is is meant to go. Um that is ultimately, as you said, God and to, to know and to be with God. And I think this is why a conversation here matters. Um, one, because, because the soul is something that uh, even using the basic definition that we talked about earlier in this episode, that it's just that principle of life, that unifying and animating principle, the soul is something there. Now, if we, we can debate about what it is, fine. That, that's Those philosophical and theological debates can exist. Perfect. But that there's something there. And because there's something there, and because the person is made for a particular end, we can't neglect the reality of the mind, but the reality of the mind needs to incorporate the reality of the soul, or perhaps the other way around, that our pursuit of of our end necessarily incorporates the reality in the mechanics, as Father Bonaventure said, of our mind. So to pretend that one doesn't matter or that they're not interrelated is can be can be limiting. I think the other thing to point out, though, is that, uh, you know, if you hang around a Catholic church for a while, you start to, or like, a, like you know, particularly big, I guess in our experience, my experience, big city churches, big cathedrals, basilicas, you always have the the, the sort of the holy, but the, the crazy fools, or the holy fools, not the crazy fools, that, that's not what I meant to say, the holy fools who kind of hang around the church. Um, you, I mean, you meet these people, they're, they're very holy, but, you know, they're sometimes... Um, they're, they're not all there or that kind of thing, um, which I think goes to show in the end that God is not limited by a sort of uh, mm. mechanical working of the human mind, that God can make and does produce holiness outside of that sort of just that, like the science of psychology that doesn't mm. contribute to the flourishing of the human person or the end of the human person. So again, there's that interaction, that interplay, that interlaying of psychology and spirituality, but they do kind of have their distinct um, their distinct operations and they're, you know, again, God's not limited by a sort of, uh, healthy psychology and thanks be to God for that. I think that's something beautiful. Yeah. That's a, no, that, that's a good, that's a good corrective for sure that they're interdependent, but not necessarily, um, yeah, dependent on both of them working perfectly that God is of course able to do what he wants to do. And that since the soul is, is not 
and is not just a mechanism in the way that your car is, that he can make it work in some ways that otherwise we would think not be able to work. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's important. So what do you think as, as we're kind of nearing our last mm. couple of minutes here, what do you think, Father Bonaventure, about, um, about this relationship, kind of summary thoughts about psychology, spirituality, the soul, any yeah, last matters, thoughts, comments, tips? Well, I, I don't mean tips, but yeah, I guess not, yeah but. It, uh, it, it matters uh, that, that you care about, that you, you think that you have a soul. Um, whether you are your soul is a different question, but um, that you think you have a soul uh, and that you are attentive to what it means to have a soul uh, in both the psychological aspects, of course, that we're all very attentive to self-help sections, psych psychology, counseling, all this stuff. I think we're pretty good at being attentive to being open to being fixed in that way or being helped in cognitive distortions and therapies and cognitive behavioral therapy, all this kind of CBT, all these great things, um, psychoanalysis and all that. But that also to be attentive that there's a spiritual dimension that is beyond that, that uses those powers, that they're not meant merely for a human life, but for a divine life, uh, participation in the graces of the sacraments and the graces of, of, of God, that he works, works in you. And that that requires attention as well. And that's confession requires attentiveness to your sins and how you need to purify yourself in that way, but also just good spirituality, spiritual reading, uh, and listening to the saints and all the things that you do that just as going to counseling is helpful for your soul in the natural way, going to mass and your devotions and your prayers are heal are restorative um, and, and uh, yeah, healing of your soul in the spiritual, in the spiritual dimension. And, that, and they're both important. They're dependent, they're related with each other, but they're both, but they are distinct. Great. Well, thanks for tuning in. I guess a couple, um, a couple, uh, I don't know, shout outs, ad adverts here at the end. Um, first, more related to this episode on psychology and the soul, what happened to the soul. If you think that you might be in need of, you know, uh, counseling or speaking to psychologists, that sort of thing, Divine Mercy University in Virginia is an excellent resource. Their website, it's a school, Catholic school of counseling and psychology, but off also offers excellent resources for counseling, good Catholic counseling uh, throughout the country. So that might be something to check out. That's Divine Mercy University. On an unrelated, uh, I guess, topic for this episode, but I think something helpful and timely for us with with our election coming up in, in I, I guess, just less than a week, um, the, uh, the Initiative on Faith and Public Life, uh, which is a project of the American Enterprise Institute, um, a leading policy think tank here in Washington, D.C., um, has just put out a helpful I think a really helpful and excellent video um, kind of documentary film uh, called For Love of Neighbor, Neighbor, Politics for the Common Good. So the Faith and uh, Public Life Initiative is, their mission is to provide Christian college students in particular with formative um, uh, and prof educational and professional opportunities to help them have leadership roles in the public sphere. So this video, um, this documentary For Love of Neighbor, Politics for the Common Good tells the story of three individuals, Senator Tim Scott, Justin Gibney, and Sarah Im Imboden, um, I think I pronounced her last name correctly, um, and their ways of seeking to engage the, the public sphere within the Christian framework of faith. It also features our very own Dominican friar, Father Aquinas Gilbo, who's the prior here at the House of Studies. So uh, it doesn't provide answers for how Christians should engage in politics, but prescribes principles for that engagement. So check it out. It's a really great video. Um, it's a really helpful video. Their website is faithandpubliclife.com and then the video faithandpubliclife.com slash F-L-O-N. So if you're looking for a helpful resource in this 
in the in the days leading up to the election, check it out. Um, other than that, we are certainly keeping you in our prayers. Pray for us. Share these episodes. Like these episodes. Help us out on that front. And until next time, take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planet, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.